In the summer of 2008, I was serving as the youth intern at Antioch Christian Church in Oklahoma City. My job as an intern was to help lead the summer youth program alongside the youth minister, and then I was actually given the opportunity to preach my very first sermon on a Sunday morning at the end of summer. Now, I'm pretty sure that my first sermon was absolutely terrible. (laughs) The youth group would meet for Sunday school on Sunday mornings, and then their large group uh, gathering was for 6th through 12th grade students, and that was Wednesday nights. Uh, Wednesday nights were a lot of fun. There's one Wednesday night that has stuck with me for several years. Now, I don't remember the date, but I remember Brian Champ, who was the youth minister at the time, uh, loading all the students and all the volunteers up in the church van, and then telling everyone that he was taking the group to a local cemetery. I'm not going to lie. I was a little worried. Why would a youth minister take everyone to a cemetery uh, when there was hot pizza and games back at the church? Well, when we arrived at the cemetery, he said that we were going to play a game to see who could find the oldest headstone. He also told the students to write down any epitaphs or quotes that stood out to them that were written on the headstones. You see, everyone was going to have an opportunity to share their findings when the group came back together. After half an hour or so, he called the group back together so that we could share what we found. Um, There were birthdays going back as far as the mid-1800s. Now, in this part of the country, that doesn't seem very old, but you have to keep in mind that Oklahoma didn't become a state until 1907. So there were several families and individuals that moved in the mid to late 1800s. They passed away and were buried. I don't remember the quotes that were shared, but I do remember there were some good ones and some bad ones. I have to believe there were some that read, uh, loving husband and father, uh, in memory of, and then the person's name, or forever in our hearts. These are common quotes. After everyone had an opportunity to share, uh, Brian opened up his Bible, and he started talking about the reality of death and how important it is to make the most of every opportunity that God has given us. I can't remember the passage that he used, but his devotional was meant to encourage the students to think long and hard about the life they were living. It was meant to encourage them to be kingdom workers every day because each day is a gift, and we're not promised tomorrow. The truth that he was teaching was this. This life is short, especially when compared to eternity, and physical death is inevitable. So how will we allow this truth to affect the way we live our lives? I remember walking back to the van thinking that was one of the weirdest youth group activities I'd ever been a part of. I even told my wife, who was not my wife at the time, we were only dating, um, that she didn't have to worry because I would never do something like that when I became a youth minister. For a lot of years, I felt like taking the youth group to a cemetery was a really weird thing to do. And while it's definitely not normal, I've grown to see the wisdom in it. You see, as much as we like to avoid the conversation, uh, talking about death, talking about how we're called to live each day for Christ and about the kind of legacy that we're leaving behind for the next generation, these are important topics. When you hear the word legacy, what comes to mind? Think about that for just a few moments. For a lot of people, the image of money or leaving behind an inheritance is something they think about. In the Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 22 King Solomon wrote about the importance of leaving an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. This is what he wrote. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So a grandchild's inheritance, which was part of the parents' and grandparents' legacy, was important enough for Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, to write about. But what does this mean for you, and what does it mean for me? 
How can we know if we're leaving behind the right kind of inheritance or the right kind of legacy for our children's children? You see, the idea is that whatever we leave behind, and we all leave something, has the potential to impact future generations. As a parent or grandparent, you'll leave an inheritance of some kind to your children and grandchildren. This is inevitable, just like the youth minister at Antioch Christian Church told the students that physical death is inevitable. The good news is the kind of inheritance or legacy that you leave behind is completely up to you. Instead of thinking about inheritance solely in terms of money, I'd like for us to go to God's word so that we can learn about God's heart when it comes to this issue. So what does God have in mind for our lives when it comes to leaving a legacy? We read King Solomon's words in Proverbs 13. Now let's read the words of the Apostle Paul and Jesus in the New Testament to gain a little more clarity. In the New Testament book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, and this is Paul writing to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. This is what he wrote. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now let's look at Jesus's words in the gospel of Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21. This is what Jesus said. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. When we read these two passages with the context of of the greater story of God's word in mind, including what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 13, it's easy to see that there's something of greater value than the material wealth and possessions that we have in this life. I've heard it said that you never see a U-Haul at a funeral. That would have been a weird sight to see when uh, the youth minister took all the kids and volunteers to the cemetery. You know, this truth, and, and more importantly, what we read about in God's word, should cause us to think long and hard about the life we're living and about the kind of legacy we're leaving behind. If there are things that have greater value than the material wealth and possessions that we work so hard to obtain. And if we're instructed to leave an inheritance or a legacy for future generations, how can we leave the right kind of legacy? In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, the apostle Paul wrote these words towards the end of his life. He said, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And in these last three verses, um, this is the section that I really want to focus in on. Paul says, 
for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Towards the end of Paul's life, I have to believe that he was thinking about inheritance or or the kind of legacy that he would be leaving behind. You can almost hear it in the words that he penned. In verses 6 and 7, he said, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. When I read this, James chapter 4, verse 14 also comes to mind. James said that your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Friends, the older we get, the faster time seems to fly by. I don't really understand this, but we all know that it's true. When my youngest son turns five next April, one-fifth of his life will have been lived over the past year. But when a person turns 50 years old, only 2% of their life will have been lived over the previous year. And for some reason, the older we get, the faster time flies. We read it here in Paul's letter, but there's also something about the reality of age and the certainty of physical death that brings clarity to the way we use the time that God has given us. I think that 2 Timothy chapter 4 should be a reminder and an encouragement to all of us that this life will come to an end, and when it does, we'll head for our eternal home. Our eternal home will either be in the presence of God, which is heaven, or absent the presence of God, which is hell. And in the meantime... Every single one of us, we're all leaving some kind of legacy. As we begin a new series called Parenting by the Book, I'd like to use this first message to encourage all of our parents and all of our grandparents to think and pray about the kind of legacy you're leaving. As you do, I'd like to share three ways you can leave the right kind of legacy, the kind of legacy that will impact future generations for Christ. If you're taking notes, the first way is this, model and teach a life of faith. Model and teach a life of faith. Um, Let's break down this first point. We'll look at each word individually. Um, First, how can we model a life of faith? I'll use my wife's grandparents, uh, George and Jan, as an illustration. Uh, My wife loves to share about her experience growing up with her grandparents. Uh, She stayed over at their house a lot, and uh, they played a huge role in raising her. When she would wake up in the morning, her grandpa was already in his study, preparing the sermon for the next Sunday, and her grandma was drinking a cup of coffee with her Bible open on the table. I don't know if this was intentional. Uh, Knowing her grandparents, I'm pretty sure that it was. But they always had a way of modeling a life of faith for their grandchildren. Whether it was reading scripture, serving at church, or loving on their neighbors, my wife had a front row seat to a sincere faith being lived out. And not only did they model a life of faith, but they constantly invited their grandchildren to serve alongside them. You know, being raised in that kind of environment, especially when her home life wasn't always that great, that made an eternal difference in her life. I don't know that I can put into words how important it is for us to model a life of faith for our children and for our grandchildren. It's great that we're all listening to the podcast today and that our church will gather on Sunday. But the real question is this, do the younger eyes in our lives see the same person on Monday through Saturday as they see on Sundays? Do they see parents and grandparents who practice what they preach? Are we modeling a life of faith in how we use our time, talent, and treasure? While I believe that faith is caught more than taught, which means our our actions speak louder than words, it's also important to teach a life of faith 
to our kids. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. This is the passage that came to mind this week. This is what we read. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. If you were here in person and I were to ask you what the most well-known verse or passage of Scripture is in the Bible, you'd probably say John 3.16. And while that's definitely the most familiar verse in the New Testament, uh, this passage, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, uh, also known as the Shema, it's a Jewish prayer, has been recited every morning and every evening by millions of Jewish families for generations. In fact, most theologians agree that this has to be the most well-known and most spoken passage of Scripture throughout the entire world. These verses show us how to include God's word in our daily lives. So as parents, as grandparents, we're called to love God, to hide his truths on our hearts, and to impress those truths on our children. Now, when you hear the word impress, an image of forcing faith on our kids is often what comes to mind. But the word impress in this context literally means to make an impression by the way we live. How cool is that? Christian parents are called to make an impression by the way we model a life of faith, but we're also called to take seriously the privilege and responsibility of teaching our kids about the Lord. And that's why faith is caught as well as taught. It's so important that we gather together on Sundays for worship, but Sunday mornings are only meant to be a supplement for what should already be happening throughout the rest of the week. You see, it's primarily the parents' role and responsibility to model and teach a life of faith to their children. We're going to talk more about the teaching aspect of parenting next week. And I'll do my best to provide some resources uh, that can come alongside families and assist families in our church as they model and teach a life of faith. Well, a second way that we can work at leaving the right kind of legacy is to regularly affirm your child's value. Regularly affirm your child's value. Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. This is Jesus' words to his disciples. He said, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. In this passage, Jesus is talking about a bird, which in our eyes doesn't have a whole lot of value unless you're a bird person. If you're a bird owner, then I suppose it does. Jesus is teaching us that God cares about each and every bird individually. And then he takes it a step further by teaching us about our value to God. We're told that every single strand of hair on our head is numbered. You see, God knows and cares about every single detail of our lives. God affirms our value over and over again throughout his word. That one amazing truth that's consistent throughout the pages of Scripture is this. God's love and care in our lives has nothing to do with our performance. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. I think this is the perfect verse um, to help us understand this truth. It says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So it's while you and I were at our very worst that God showed, he demonstrated his love 
And he did so by sending his one and only son to die on a cross. God's love for us has nothing to do with our performance, but instead has everything to do with his love, his goodness, and his grace. As parents who've been on the receiving end of God's love and grace, we should look for opportunities to remind our children about their value, apart from their performance. So apart from the grades they make at school or how they excel or don't excel in sports, I mean, the list goes on. We should also look for opportunities to remind our kids about their value apart from their choices. So if they make bad choices at school, or maybe they're old enough to work or old enough to even get married, and we don't necessarily approve of the person that they married. See, regardless of performance, choices, we we all have value simply because we're made in the image of our creator. Now, don't get me wrong. I love to see my kids excel at whatever it is they're doing, sports, school projects, making new friends, serving at church. And for me, it's very tempting to get in the habit of only affirming their value when they excel in these things. But friends, when I'm reminded about how God values me, regardless of my performance and whatever it is I'm doing, I'm encouraged to pass that on to my kids. You know, it's so easy to affirm our children only when they do something that others deem worthy of affirmation. Here's what I want to challenge and encourage all of our parents and grandparents with today. Affirm the characteristics and the qualities that God has put in your child, the things that have nothing to do with performance. Then reaffirm them about these characteristics and qualities regularly. Our children need to be reminded that we love them simply because they're ours and because they were created in God's image not based on performance, not based on popularity, career choice, or who they end up marrying. We're to love our children in the way our Heavenly Father loves us. So affirming their value is a great way to leave the right kind of legacy. The third thing for today, this is the last point, pray that your children would accomplish God's purpose for their lives. Psalm 102, verse 18. I was reminded of this verse this week, and I thought it was perfect for today's message. Let this be recorded for future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. This verse is part of a prayer of an individual who is overwhelmed with trouble. You know, we've all been there. Yet this person chose to pour his heart out to God, to be honest with God. And even when life was tough, he chose to praise God for who he is and to pray that future generations would come to know God as well. This should be our prayer for our kids that they would accomplish God's purpose for their lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul wrote that whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So instead of telling our kids that they can be whatever they want to be, we should encourage them to be what God is calling them to be. You know, if we truly believe that God's plan for our lives is best, then why would we ever want anything different than his plan for our kids' lives? We need more Christian parents praying that their children would grow to understand and believe the good news about Jesus, that they would follow him with their lives, going wherever God wants them to go and doing whatever he wants them to do. So how can we raise our children to accomplish God's purpose in their lives? A couple of points. Number one, it always starts with prayer. You know, regularly pray for them. Pray for them at every age and stage. Two, teach your children to wait on God's timing. Wait on his timing and not their own. One of my favorite quotes is from a pastor by the name of Craig Rochelle. He says, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. And if it is God's time, you can't stop it. 
So teach your children to wait on God's timing. Third, teach your children to be obedient to God's word. And we have to remember that blessing is found in obedience. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commands. So what's one way that we show God that we love him? Well, we obey his commands. We do the things that he tells us to do. So teach your children to be obedient to God's word. And then finally, show them how to use their spiritual gifts, their abilities and talents to be kingdom workers. Show them how to store up treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. How to value the things that really matter to God. One of the best ways that we can work at leaving the right kind of legacy is by raising our children to follow God's leading in their lives, not the world's. So start praying that they would accomplish God's purpose for their lives. Three ways we can work at leaving the right kind of legacy for future generations. Number one, model and teach a life of faith. Two, regularly affirm your child's value. And three, pray that your children would accomplish God's purpose for their lives. As we learn more about the incredible privilege and responsibility that comes with parenting, um, let's use the moments that God has given us to work at leaving the right kind of legacy. This isn't a legacy that ensures that our name will live on. That's the world's kind of legacy. But it's a legacy of faith that points future generations to Christ. I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity that we have coming up. Uh, Starting Sunday, September 12th, uh, we have a new online growth group called Practical Christian Parenting, uh, starting at 8 p.m. This is an awesome opportunity to get the kids to bed and then to meet with other couples from OCC online uh, to learn about and discuss God's design for Christian parents. Um, This group will be led by my wife, uh, Faith Chapel, as well as Bruce and April Hankey's daughter, uh, Lindsay Johnson. Um, You can sign up for this group today um, in person in our lobby, or you can call the church or send us an email at uh, go to occ.church at gmail.com. I'm so excited about this series. I can't wait to share next week's message.